turn with me to your church bulletin or your scriptures, so your Bible, 1 Corinthians 15, is uh, what we'll be reading from this morning, starting in verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I've received, I've passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God who was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him, in fact, but if he did not raise him, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. Excuse me. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, we do not endanger ourselves every... Why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I die every day. I mean that, brothers, just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some of you, some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor at Christ Central Church. As we look to put the uh, finishing uh, sermons on this series in the book of 1 Corinthians, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul reserves what might be the heaviest and most important issue with the Corinthian church. He saves it for last. In fact, he says in verse 3, for what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. 
And what is that thing that he's passed on? The resurrection of Jesus Christ and its importance and, and significance to the faith. Obviously, from what we uh, have read and can tell from here and from historical sources, there were some Christians and, and followers of Jesus who believed in Jesus's resurrection, but not the resurrection of those who followed and believed in Jesus. And still there was a possibility within this group, there was a smaller group born out of the Jewish uh, priestly sect called the Sadducees. And, and one way we remembered it as kids is they were sad, you see, right? Because they did not believe in resurrection at all, much less that of Jesus. These believers were on a slippery slope that would eventually and had already begun to gut their faith of its very life and power. Because sure, you could start out by saying, you know, and believing that it's okay that that the Lord resurrected and we won't, but eventually that faulty faith and belief will result in a dead faith. Simply put, Christianity dies with its resurrected Savior Jesus if his people too won't one day resurrect. And he addresses this concern throughout this chapter, but we will start here. That if we have a living, resurrected Lord, then and only then is Christianity a living and true faith. That if Jesus is alive and resurrected from the grave, then and only then is the gospel true. The Bible true. And the identity of his people true. Look with me at verse 1 through 4 again. It says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you were saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul is helping these believers, these Christians, this church understand that the gospel is only true because and if the resurrection of Jesus is true. And what is that gospel? It's the message and power of God for salvation for all those who hear and believe it. It's it's the message and power by which we who are sinners are, are saved by Jesus, Savior of sinners, that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but, but have life everlasting, that we, broken and fallen people, unable to please God that, and, and find hope and peace in this life for ourselves, have been offered and given fixing and hope and peace and healing. By a perfect God through Jesus Christ. That we have an impossible to fix break between us and God. And that through Jesus Christ, he came to to reconcile and heal that break. That, That we, you and I, were too unrighteous to be God's children. And Paul is teaching this truth, this gospel hinges and it stands on and, and it depends on and, and gets its power and reason from the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That sure, he could have died, but without the final piece 
of what Jesus did. The, the whole gospel dies with him. The, the gospel then is, is not true. It, it loses its power to save us and, and give us hope in, in this life of a Savior in Jesus who, who comes to offer us a supernatural help for our fallen condition and world if he just lived and died. The center of the gospel is, is three things. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That again, without the resurrection, then there is no gospel. I don't know what this we're doing in here. I don't know what we're talking about. Sinner and salvation and God and Jesus. And all of that is, if his resurrection is not tied to that, is, is, is crazy. And, and Paul's here, says here in verse two, if you leave, lose any of these pieces, in particular, the fact that Jesus rose, the truth of a, a bodily resurrection, then your belief in the gospel is in vain. It's silly. It's stupid. It's unreasonable. Because there is, in fact, no salvation, ultimately, in it, without resurrection. The gospel, by its definition, is claiming to be more than just, you know, a group of moral, do-good teachings of a martyred, holy, and liberal spiritual leader named Jesus. The gospel is claiming that, that through this resurrected Jesus is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. In fact, he says this in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. No gospel. No gospel power to save. I like cars. Last night I was watching that on HD theater, the show where they show all the old cars that go for high price, all the muscle cars. In fact, I have my own car collection, I told y'all, you know, little mini ones. I don't have the money to get the real ones. And um, I have like every year represented from 1960 all the way through 1980, right? Muscle cars. Love them things. Big engines. Woo. So I think about cars. You know what you call a car that doesn't exist? A concept, Right? Car that exists but doesn't start? What I have. A model. A car that starts but doesn't go. An awesome exhibit. Paul is saying Jesus lived. The gospel is more than a concept. It is for real life. That he died so the gospel is more than a model. It does and did something for us and that Jesus resurrected. So the gospel is more than a bloody exhibition of sacrifice. It brought and brings people truly to God. And Paul takes this truth of the gospel and teaches that that gospel that brought and brings them and us to God is brought and made true through the witness of the apostles, which is found as part of the whole witness of this whole Bible. Look with me at verse 3 again, going to verse 7 this time. For what I received, I pass on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 
that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as the one abnormally born, and we'll come back to that. The Apostle Paul, I must tell you, is doing more than a few things here. He is shoring up the validity of the resurrection of Jesus by telling them that not only did Jesus appear bodily to the apostles and Peter, important to mention Peter here, one of the leaders of the church, right after he rose from the grave on resurrection morning, but even those others. He says more than 500. And we believe it's when he ascended into heaven. And that, at that time, also, those apostles were there, like James mentioned here. And then Paul adds, finally, he appeared to me too. Paul is saying there is this great witness this, the, to, the, to this necessary event. It was not a fragment of one person's imagination or a spiritual dream or, or somebody was smoking or, or mixing up something in a house on resurrection morning and all the apostles kind of got messed up from it and had the same hallucination at the same time. I mean, even if you could mix up something like that, it'd be rather supernatural if Jesus showed up. He is saying, you know, but but at the ascension, he also appeared to 500 people. He's saying what they saw and I saw was not a hoax or a mind trick. It was for real. And some, as, uh, and so, as some of us say, not only for real, it was for truth, right? It was for truth as we say it. From what we can tell, there was also those in Corinth who belittled or lessened Paul's authority. To say what he was saying to them as the word of God. Because he was what? He was not among the twelve, the original apostles, the original Jesus clan, authorized me Jesus first century hype men and gospel cover band. I mean, G- I mean Paul, y'all was deemed the Johnny Gill of the apostles, right? He was a new edition. He was just a new addition, right? He, it was it was like earth, wind, and fire. And Paul says it's earth, wind, and fire and water, right? It don't make sense. And so people are like, you're a scrub. You're, you're an add-on, a wannabe. And so Paul says this in verse 8 through 11. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I was persecuted. I persecuted the church, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect, nor I worked harder than all of them, yet not I. But the grace of God that was with me, whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believe. Paul's point, it is true. I was a late bloomer. I was brought in as the next member of the Beatles. You know, it was Freddie Mercury Queen and then me. It was just, I was another lead singer. I was abnormally born. I was humbled by the fact that the Lord appeared to me as well and is using me mightily by his grace. I became a lead singer in the group by the grace of God. If you don't believe me, two-thirds of the New Testament written by me or through me. So my word is the word of God. Because though later than everyone else, central to my witness was that I saw bodily, for real, for truth, the resurrected Lord and that like the apostles, the words they and now I preach and teach and write is central to what and how you believe. Look with me at verse 11 as we go on. Whether then or it was I or they, this is what we preach and this is, this is what you believed. 
But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he has raised Christ from the dead and he did not raise him. But if but he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised and Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith, faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. He is saying the bodily resurrection of Jesus is what makes and made what we say as apostles with the rest of the Bible true and believable and followable. And therefore now, for you and me today, in 2010, it it is still what makes the Bible that we have true. That the stories and teachings and hopes and promises in, in it all hinge on the truth of a resurrected Savior. As we sung today, who reigns and thus a resurrection of his people. In verse 15, Paul says, says this. He says, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. Right? Paul, and he is pushing the Bible to its full disappointment if the resurrection is not true. Which is this. If Jesus did not rise, then not only are we the apostles' false witnesses, and what we say, half-baked truth, it is worse than that. For if Jesus' if Jesus is in our one-day resurrection is not true, if what God himself gave and said to us, because he did speak to us in the prophets and, and even in the Old Testament, then God has lied to us. That if Jesus didn't resurrect and, and you are saying he didn't resurrect and we won't resurrect, then you're calling the one who gave us the truth a liar if the resurrection is not true. If Jesus is not resurrect and thus this whole thing end up in a resurrection of us too, then this is the greatest sham ever. That all of these witnesses had the greatest hallucination in the history of the world. And Paul had it too. And God, the God of the Bible and of heaven, is the author of a fictional novel. And if it's true that we are, if that is true, we are spiritually and emotionally and physically duped and hoodwinked by God and Paul and all the apostles. The resurrection is not true. Being the center of the gospel, which is the point of the Bible, then let's punt it. We don't need it. Let's dump it, not bump it, right? Let's put it on the shelf of the greatest classics of the world or in the magazine rack near the great white throne. Yeah, the one in your bathroom. Because the Bible is good reading. That's the only right throne there is because Jesus is not king if he didn't resurrect. And we are full of it, right? But Paul is saying, on the other hand, if he did rise... These are the words, not only of this life, but of everlasting life right here. 
These are the most precious words and book known to humankind that, that there shouldn't be an issue in our lives or, or this life or even our fears about the next. That this Bible and its stories and its teaching does not give us hope and help in. My son Harrison has some Michael Jackson songs on his iPod. That boy loves some Michael Jackson. You know, one time I hear him back there singing Thriller. I'm just driving. I'm like, what? That song came out in 83. Weren't you born in 2003? Right? Why is he taking it on and loving it and living in it as if Michael were still alive? Why? Because I saw it. We saw it. My my wife and I, we, we experienced a living MJ. And when Michael Jackson died, man, we sat around. We recorded, you know, on, on DVR. Remember the all-day video, Michael Jackson videos? We sat around and watched him. He, too, came became a, you know, we can't watch this video, but you can watch this one. He, too, became a secondary witness of the living hope, though gone on, king of pop. He is a fan, too, of his music. We We even did some of the dances up in there. I don't want to see that. (laughs) The Apostle Paul is saying the Bible is true because Jesus lives and rose and we saw him as living in the flesh and he did it and and was it and and now what we write truly is to be followed and taken serious with with joy and hope and, and your participation if he did not live the Bible as a weird Al Yankovic. Right? A a parody, an enjoyable but despicable imitation of truth, but not the truth. This word is true. Because it is a true witness and representation and presentation, not just of of a Lord, but the resurrected Lord, brought through the apostles as a true and authentic witness, not to the king of pop, that's nice, but the king of kings and lord of lords and savior of the world. Not for us to just be fans, but followers of Jesus Christ. Those who, because he lives, now fashion their present lives and find their very identity in it. Look again at verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you uh, say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins, then also those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Sorry, when I wrote this sermon, I was on nostalgia trail, okay? I was trapped in 1983 for a while. So y'all going to just have to bear with the illustrations. I don't know what's going on. I even wore my Michael Jackson shirt this week. Y'all remember? Well, some of y'all remember 1983. If you're Harrison, or one of our college students, they're gone now. They done got their grades, they're moving on. <laughs> and you went back, you were able to look back in time and looked at how we who came of age in the early to mid-80s dressed. <laughs> you would pity us above all. <laughs> Why? Because... 
some of us actually shopped at merry-go-round. We, we had, some of us had the beaded jackets and, and wore high water pants and, and even fluorescent shirts. And, and some of you women, mainly white women, wore the lace bows and highly hairsprayed hair with jelly bands. And, and some of us wore fat shoelaces and, and Kango hats and Adidas suits. Some of it was tight and fitting and cumbersome. Man, I had one of those belts with your name on it. When I'm brass belts, I had my full name, Howard. Not, you know, H or, and the man you had to carry that thing around, you had to stuff your shirt just right and walk just right. And when you got up, man, it was hard. And then your collar had to be flipped up just the right way and you had to make it stick. That stuff was heavy, right? And then, then you had to go through the pains of getting your jeans starched and pressed. Daddy, can you take my jeans to the cleaners? I want them nice and stiff. (laughs) Designer jeans with the lines and all on them, right? Oscar de la Rente, right? All of that stuff. And and, and man, let me tell you, then then, then the hard work of making sure you get in trouble. If your polo guy had the right hand up and was really riding a horse or that your Panama Jack shirt had the right glasses on in the picture. And if you went to the dance and it was okay if your knees or your jeans or parachute pants got burned out to get the perfect knee spin. Or your hair flattened for the right head spin. and, And how some of us robbed people's sidewalks for the new big appliance piece of cardboard and then in humiliation carried these big bulky pieces along with heavy bulky boombox just in case a breakdance battle broke out (laughs) we had to be ready hurting ourselves at home on hard Terrence you remember our carpeted floors of our dance getting the right moves down I remember Terrence you got the windmill you got the windmill one inch from hitting the TV some of y'all burned and ruined your hair for the perfect Jerry curl just need a little bit more and we would and should be pitied And looked upon as fools by those in this age. Why? Because the heroes we got our identity from and suffered in our looks and 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 even our bones broken and and hair follicles are are gone forever. Either you know, because our heroes are long gone, either dead professionally or really gone. Truly, if Curtis Blow didn't show up with that Jerry Curl first. Or LL didn't rock that Kango. Or Cindy Lauper and Madonna hadn't rocked the lace first in real life. Or if Ozone and Special K and Turbo hadn't gotten break in movie triumph, we should have been pitied if George Michael hadn't called us to wake him up before you go-go and green fluorescent first. Or Michael Jackson hadn't beat it with high-watered red pants with a leather red jacket and wasn't in that crazy look, the reigning king of pop. If, if Run DMC didn't really and truly with Aerosmith walk this way and talk this way with fat laces, gazelle shades, and form-fitting sweatsuits, pity and shame on us. If these pop heroes that we fashioned our lives and hopes after didn't live to validate the way and the why we did life the way we did and more pity on us if we continue to dress that way today. 
what's this long nostalgic illustration mean? (laughs) Paul is saying, pity on believers and us apostles and those who would follow us if Jesus didn't live again and still. Shame on us for being called and looking like fools and suffering and changing and adjusting and and fashioning and and running our lives and and finding and seeking a a so-called eternal identity if the hero of our faith is dead, if he is not the king over the grave. Pity believers if he lives and he will not also resurrect us. us, If the gospel is not eternally true, we look like fools for nothing. No no more. We, We who are weird and out of style in our lifestyles as believers in this world are doing it for nothing. We have been made fools if Jesus has not risen. Look with me at verse 30. He says, as for us, talk about the apostles. Why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I die every day. I mean that, brothers, just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And he is saying, as an apostle, as a pastor, as a, as a preacher, all that I do for the sake of the ministry to you, all the hats and faces I put on. He even says something about wild beasts and, and maybe in walking around, you know, back then the preachers walked around and lions would come out. I didn't know what they had. You know, there's a, he, he couldn't have been thrown into the, you know, to the, to the, Wild animals in, you know, gladiator style because he was a, you know, a, a citizen. But he is saying, look, man, all these apostles being martyred for the sake of their ministry to others, denying themselves certain pleasures for their sake, all this foolishness being made to act and look like fools and die to our desires, like eating and drinking for the sake of hedonism, but laying all that aside for you, for my love, for you, and, 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 and then... Why am I preaching and living and dying in this life? We have suffered for nothing if your life after death, because Jesus' life after death is not true. He even says, they should be pitied above all men. Because we went first. Understand the apostles went first looking like fools. I used to have a friend. I I still have a friend. (laughs) My friend Hilliard. He came here once. George was like, that's a cool brother. He always been cool. (laughs) Hilliard was always first. He was the first brother to have the bolo tie. (laughs) In the 1985 before it came public. He's like, man, this is going to be popular, this bolo. You go ahead, fool, and wear that. I'm not. I'm I'm rocking a polo shirt today. You go with the bolo tie. But Paul is saying, we did it first. We got ridiculed. We, We gave up more than others. We took punishment for a lie if not true. It would be the worst punishment. If God made us believe something that was not true. Reminds me to kick me sign, right? Put on your back, kick me. <laughs> it only works if somebody who loves you put it on there. That's what it works best. Hey man, how you doing? Paul is saying, God said he was calling us and loving us and offering us the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if it weren't true, he's just putting a kick me sign on our back. But he's saying that it's not only true for ministers who've given their lives and identified who they are for the gospel, but for every believer who believes them. That if Jesus is not raised and subsequently we who follow him are not raised, that all of our faith is a sham. You're a fool. 
How we live it, all the right choices in community or love each other, foolish. You know, we have this strange passage about baptism in verses 29 to 34 about being baptized for the dead. And it could mean different things. Some old right they did that Paul did not take time to dispute, but use it to show the hypocrisy in getting baptized for the dead when the dead were going nowhere else if they didn't believe in the resurrection. Or may he may be saying that people on their deathbed would seek baptism quickly so that they could die in peace of having a seal and sign of being the Lord's. Or it could have been washing the body up and getting it ready for the funeral and burial. And different cultures have different ways of, of talking about death. But he's saying the way you do death in your culture says you believe there's something more. Why do it? There isn't anything more. But the overriding thought here is this. Without the resurrection, the life believers seek to live and honor means nothing. Nothing. In fact, it appears from verse 33 to 34 that some had already begun to act unlike believers because this was being wrongly taught. If Jesus didn't rise, why do you spend your Sunday morning here? I know how Sunday morning is going to be. Why is it that you're the tiredest on Sunday morning? I don't get it. I mean, I got to work on Sunday morning. I got to do this. And I'm like, oh, man, it's Sunday. You know, it just it just hits you struggling with kids and with the sleep to get up. For what? To listen to what? The gospel that doesn't have a risen Savior from a Bible that is at best a book of religious etiquette. And then why live with redemptive hope? Caring for each other like you do. Sacrificing for each other. Confronting each other. Calling to repentance. Hanging in there when it's hard and near impossible. And not giving up on broken relationships around you. Why not go ahead and live for you? For your needs alone to to roll out of here. Be self-protected, defensive, and angry all the time. Or blissfully overlooking of others and their needs and their issues. Look out for number one if the resurrection didn't happen. Don't get baptized for anyone else. Don't put yourself out there for God and others. Because if there is no resurrection, it doesn't make sense. Some of y'all deny yourself some really good stuff out of honor for God. Why? There's no resurrection. But if there is, and I believe there is, Paul says here in verse 34, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. I mean, if it is true, and it is, then why are you living for yourself? If it is true, and it is, why do you live for this life alone? Why are we abandoning working in and through those hard relationships, marriage of course included, then why do you, why do we not sing and live with honor and passion to the Lord? Why don't we read our Bibles believing it speaks and has God's words of life to us? Why are we staying in our abusive relationships? Why don't you think your story of God's love for you is 